0: Hello there friends, just a quick note to say there's not going to be a normal episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon this week, the Ahsoka premiere will be it from me this week on the feed of Comics in Motion, but I'm planning on having a normal episode out the following week and it's going to centre around the High Public Adventures comics by Dark Horse and Daniel Jose Older. it'll be volume 2 of those. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that at the start, so without further ado, here is the Ahsoka discussion. So, we are here for a new era, even though I think I've released, this will be the third episode of the Star Wars discussion shows I've released in the last, like, week, um, and also to, the other two were also with Dave, who's joining me, uh, but we are here talking about the Ahsoka show. So it's the premiere, the episodes one and two, and we're going to be doing this for seven weeks. I'm going to have a different guest each episode, or at least aim to. If not, Dave will come crawling back, um, <laughs> but um, I am joined by Dave, we've obviously recently rewatched all our Rebels stuff, and obviously you've seen all of Clone Wars. So, and we even broke down the trailer. So, going into this, these two episodes, like well, it's going to be kind of hard, I think, to split them because I watched them one after another. Um, but just first impressions of the show and kind of vague thoughts on it from kind
1: of the get-go, and we'll we'll spring load from there. I think the first thing, so, hey, Mike, uh, it's good to be back. It does feel like we've spoken a lot about Star Wars in the last (laughs) few months. I I love uh, it. (laughs) Yeah, with the the Rebels review. And I have to say, you probably had more insight about where this series was going to be than I did. For me, it was just great to do that project, you know, get math along for the journey. And, you know, for me to rewatch the whole Rebels series just complete fucking luck that you know ahsoka is essentially rebels series five and you know we just finished it off that again more down to you with the planning probably got to finish that off and then saw the trailer And then it's like, holy shit, this has got a bunch of the rebels. Fucking hell, it's Ezra. Oh, my God. And so, yeah, (laughs) I was super pumped coming into this series. And I have seen a few little negative comments here and there about, oh, well, it kind of ends up where we we already knew it was before. But I'm like, bullshit. I fucking loved it. You know, again, was it particularly brave storytelling? No, it was quite safe. But for me, I, I just thought it was great. And there were so many homages to lots of different things. In some of the dialogue, in some of the acting, in some of the just general cinematography, the way things are shot. We all know that, you know, coming into Star Wars, there there was a lot taken from the the Japanese cinema. I thought you, you saw that front and center here, but as well as... Homages to the original, you know, the way the whole thing opens. It's almost like the flip side of how, you know, in the original New Hope, you get the ship, you know, layer ship coming from the top here, you've got it coming from the bottom. But it was just amazing, I thought. And, and yeah, it threw me a little bit at the end of episode two in terms of like, oh, I thought I had an idea where Rebels finished, and that was just after Return of the Jedi, like literally after the, the revolution. But this changed that, and it's like, oh, right, okay. So it's a little bit later than that. So it does it does bring us, and we get almost shot-for-shot shot remakes, don't we, of, of that last episode. But I'm like, great, I love it. <laughs> I, 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 I'll always gravitate to the live-action stuff. And even though we've seen that little bit, it's only like five minutes of footage, something like that. Even if that, um, it was great just to align it with where Rebels finished and think, right, okay, that's all the table setting now. Off we go into the main series, and I can't wait.
0: <laughs> yeah we're well, linking it with, with the timeline so i'll just briefly say for the audience listening in case they aren't aware um so bby or aby is generally in the out of universe measuring things after the battle of yavin or before the battle of yavin the battle of yavin is when they blew up the death star in a new hope so it's uh empire strikes back three years after the battle of yavin yavin and um return of the jedi is four years after that and the the verse is loosely Five years after Return of the Jedi. So we are approximately nine years after the Battle of Yavin, nine years after New Hope. And Rebels Series 4, excluding the epilogue that you mentioned, takes place a re- each season of Rebels is about a year. And the last season of Rebels is about a year before Rogue One slash A New Hope. So approximately one year before the Battle of Yavin. So the events of Ahsoka are about 10 years after the finale of season four of Rebels. So that epilogue we see in Rebels is in theory 10 years later, which again, I think Filoni mentioned in passing that the epilogue of Rebels is after Endor, just at some point after Endor. And I think he made a comment when it first came out and then nearer Ahsoka coming out, but before we really knew Ahsoka was happening, um, he then made like an addendum to it almost and added an extra word or two just to be like, yeah, it's after Endor. Didn't say how long after Endor, but it's after it. Um, so it's interesting having ten years later um, after Rebels, and there I I enjoyed these two episodes. Megan wasn't as fussed; she actually fell asleep in both of them. <laughs> so, which isn't necessarily to say the quality isn't there, but uh, she wasn't as gripped by the show. She's been more gripped by Andor, for example. Um, I enjoyed this definitely. I think it is good. Um, I just. I think the first couple of episodes of series, especially because we just finished Rebel Series 4, and I stand by, I think, Rebels, specifically Series 4, almost every single episode is better than almost all other Star Wars. It's, you know, there's a few highlights. Some of the movies are fantastic as well. But generally speaking, I think all of Rebel Series 4 is better than about 90% of all that Star Wars exists. And the problem is, literally finishing that one a few weeks ago and talking about it last week, essentially, or week before, I'm... I almost wish I'd given us more time, because from how good that was, you know, Ahsoka might get there. And I was saying to, um, to Tonya, who um, she'll be on the show in episode six, I think. So Tonya Todd, part of the Femon Collective and stuff, and she's been on other Star Wars shows. We were talking a little bit before recording. Um, I generally don't try to talk to people about it, because I want my own opinion unfiltered first. Um, but when we were talking about it, I was kind of thinking, Felloni is not the best at starting things, but he is incredible. Ending things. And I'd put people to the Clone Wars movie isn't good. This first series, the Clone Wars, is definitely the weakest. The Rebels series one is good, but it's not phenomenal. But you look at, like, the Clone Wars finale. First, the the original finale ran up season six when they thought it was cancelled. And then the series seven finale. The Rebels finales. Like, all of those things just hit so hard. So I think although, for me, these two episodes were good, uh, my main critique I would kind of explain it in one sentence almost which what i should have done is it's an it's about 100 minutes altogether of footage and i feel like everything that's been said could have probably been told in 40 minutes and i'm not to say you know i like you know star wars a lot of it's about really cool shots and things like the intro shot you mentioned but i just felt i saw sabine on that speeder bike i feel like for about five minutes it probably wasn't it was probably about 30 seconds in total but there was just a few shots or there's a few moments i think megan mentioned it at one part and she was like, Sabine's so just cutting her hair. Why can not she hurry up? <laughs> and I know, I, I've seen online since that it's meant to, I think, mirror Kanan cutting his hair off in uh, Rebels, which I didn't pick up on. But I've seen the oh. shots of it now and I'm like, oh, the knife and that stuff. And her being sat there with the helmet on and the knife. And I was like, oh, that's that's really clever. So I think that links in with you that I think once, once the series is finished or kind of got going... I'm going to love this. But I think that just because it is really setting the scene, and I really want to hear your opinion on how how do you think the viewing experience for this first the first two episodes differs from people like us who've seen Rebels and stuff and people who haven't? Because that balancing act is not easy. And I, I personally think, although my critiques of the uh, first episode, I think the way Filoni did it was very well done balancing-wise, but I'd love to hear your mm. thoughts on it.
1: I think... It's a good question, and, and it's really hard to uh, answer, actually. We could do with someone, I guess, we're, who's on next? Who's on for episode I think two? Math is next week. All right, okay. <laughs> so so, for, so maybe work. episode three, whoever, whoever you have on for them, it'd be good to understand from their perspective, because mm-hmm. I think even looking at the trailer and, and these first two episodes, because I'm seeing some of these characters that I've loved from Rebels on screen, I'm like that's enough for me already whatever the story is you know as long as you don't do a horrible job of mm-hmm. representing them I, i'm good i'm in whereas i think if you've if you've got no affiliation you don't care about these characters i'm not sure about you know would you would you enjoy it as much and and probably you know there were probably some dull things in there i can't imagine anyone's watching this Who hasn't seen Ahsoka from The Mandalorian, say? Mm, Yeah, yeah. You know, no one's going to be watching this. Or, or, you know, it'd be a word of mouth thing, so maybe a few weeks if if it does start to pick up pace. But yeah, I I think the good thing about Star Wars is, though, they're forever just introducing characters. And they feel like three-dimensional characters a lot of the time. Let's ignore Jar Jar Binks for a second, but... (laughs) You know, most of them are three-dimensional characters and you can tell that they've got this history, you know, and they'll drop in little bits of dialogue and you think, oh, that'd be more interesting, finding out more about that. Like when Lando turns up in uh, Empire Strikes Back, it's like, oh, you know, this is a guy with a history. You know, he's a a little bit of a chancer kind of thing. And uh, you think of him as a real person. So I think if you haven't met those characters before, That'd be okay if you were a Star Wars fan, because, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan and you haven't watched Rebels, these characters turn up and they're just new characters that I've never met before. But uh, yeah, I I feel like it's consistent within the universe. Yeah, I'd I'd be in agreement with you. I think that
0: there's one thing that I found and with the rising, I think I was mentioning it before recording, but with the rising amount of a younger generation who grew up with the sequels uh, compared to us who grew up with the prequels and originals, it's... What people are doing now is defending the sequel defense is starting to come up now like it was with the prequels uh, years ago. And one of the things one of the big critiques people are going was like when people were criticizing the sequels like why well, have we got nothing about Snoke? We don't know Snoke's backstory, we need it. And everyone's gone you know it took like basically decades to yeah. actually get the background of Palpatine. No one when the original trilogy came out no one was going, oh, "I need the backstory of Palpatine." No. Yeah. And you when you watch the, the original trilogy without seeing anything else, you know nothing about Palpatine at all. You, I don't think he is even mentioned he used to be a senator. It's literally just, he's the emperor, and he's super powerful, and that's that. And everyone mm-hmm. was just like, thumbs up, that's cool. And it's just this weird thing, I think, recently, where I think probably because of the Disney Plus content and just the recent sort of couple of decades of content on content on content, both on screen and uh, off screen, where every character, especially in Star Wars, can have a ridiculously massive, complex backstory. And I think people expect that from the start. But it's like if I just had every character just read off exposition their entire life, it would be so dull. Yeah. And I just think as you say, the way they've done it with the script in this and the way the characters interact, as you say, you can you can feel the history there without it just being an exposition dump,
1: which I really like. Yeah. And I think I think it's more so the the last ten years in particular when you've got, you know, people like us who who come on and we chat about things on a podcast or YouTube or whatever, but I feel like the real kind of upper end of, of influencers, you know, they're always searching for this hot take, you know, and, and like, Oh, you, you should have given us this. And we want to know the whole backstory to this person and what's, what's happened with these. And, you know, Han Solo is one of my favorite characters from the original and, you know, if you'd have asked me back in the day, would I want to know more about his backstory? Would I want to know more about the Castle Runner? I said, absolutely. Got to see Solo. You know what? Probably didn't need to see that. <laughs> 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 so be careful what you wish for at times. But yeah, I, I think even if you look at the way that original trilogy was put together, you know, you finish New Hope and you're like, right, you could just literally draw a line under that. They've won. The Rebels have won, you know, all right, this Vader character. He's a bit, a bit of a lackey in the first one, wasn't he, anyway? He wasn't what he became later. Uh, but the Death Star has been destroyed. That's it, game over. And then you start off on um, Hoth, and you're like, the fuck's going on? <laughs> you know? And you've had to crawl and everything, but it's like this massive jump it seems and so there's always these spaces in between and i think it, it uh, leaves plenty of room for comics doesn't it years later to be <laughs> kind of filled in and whatever so um you know I, again I, i'm completely fine with not knowing the backstory to everything and I, I sometimes feel like it is a crutch you know people say oh you know it, it's an easy criticism isn't it oh this person shows up and i i didn't know all about them from you know 40 minutes of content or whatever well, I think that's okay. I we'll think it's normal well, t- people. I, I I tell you, they're setting up a mystery, and I don't know if you've got it in your notes, but, but we'll discuss it later. You can bring it up now. We can jump around. It's not a problem. Who do you think that inquisitor is? Because they are guarding his identity purposefully. Mm. So I feel like, you know, we've definitely seen this person before. I don't want it to be Ezra Bridger. <laughs> I don't want them to do a whole switcheroo, where... Because uh, we saw in Rebels, you know, more so in the, not so much in the last season, but like season three, I would say, we mm. sort of playing around with the dark side quite definitely. a bit. And, you know, we've we've had a whole block of time where we, we don't know what's happened to Ezra or Thrawn. Could it be that, you know, in this other galaxy where they are, he's managed to switch over? I hope it's not that. Um, but there, it's definitely someone we've seen before. Yeah, oh, that's, think- that's what I think.
0: The name they have, which is the only reference point, and I think it's only been mentioned out of universe, is Marok, which is a... Ma- well, every name is made up, but it's not It's not a name that means anything, but there are a lot mm-hmm. of theories going along. And the only two things I'll say about it, as in I don't know anything, but there's the theories going on, which is Barris Offee, um, which this is going to be a, a very, very light spoiler for Clone Wars, but I will not say how important it is. But there's a character who has a interaction, shall we say, with Ahsoka in a crucial arc in the Clone Wars, which eventually leads to Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order. That character has not appeared elsewhere since the Clone Wars. Mm. And Feloni's always said they have plans for that character. So that's a theory. But also someone, again, I was trying not to look on social media today, but I did catch one or two Star Wars posts. Sam Witwer was noted as doing additional voices on this um. This episode, along with a few other people, but he was noted. And Sam Witwer, for anyone who doesn't know, he voices Maul in Star Wars and Clone Wars. He voiced Palpatine, I think, in Battlefront Two, um the game, and then he did uh, Star Killer Galen Marek from the Force Unleashed games, which is one of my favorite pieces of Legends content. And he's done lots of other bits and pieces in Star Wars, so it could be just nothing. But there is the theory that the in the Clone Wars, they actually, I think, they made a model. Like um, or they plan to make a model of Starkiller from the Legends games. Hmm. And there's always been this little theory buzzing around that Starkiller is going to appear again. And there was always a theory that he would actually just be an Inquisitor. So mm-hmm. there is a potential that it could be Sam Witwer, be and it could be like a kind of a Starkiller kind of thing. I wouldn't personally want that as much, because it takes away from the Killer character. I either want his Legends story, or I don't necessarily because yeah, I mean, his legend story is too big now to even fit into canon but so there's that theory or or barris offy but i do feel like there must be more to it because i first thought when they mm. when, her, when ahsoka and Merrick fought i was like ahsoka's gonna wipe the floor with them and ahsoka didn't and i was like oh yeah so
1: mate, and, and ahsoka's nails so th- that acquisitor held his own up uh, with ahsoka you know it, it was a bit of a um uh what do they call it when it on it's a draw no when there's no real outcome oh, stalemate stalemate that yeah yeah that's the word i'm searching for so he ends up legging it you know and and uh, i love the way you know he's bringing his kind of uh lightsaber back and ahsoka's just like casually sort of gets <laughs> yeah. out of the way and it's like so cool but yeah you would imagine toe-to-toe ahsoka's gonna take most people out Um, so it must be someone pretty powerful. And I think at first my mind was going to, it must be someone we've seen in live action, but actually it doesn't have to be. It just needs to be someone who either Ahsoka or Sabine or both, you know, or some, someone else recognizes, you know, so, so there's, there's a reveal. I think, I think sixty percent of me, though, is that we've seen this person in live action. I have no idea who it could be, but for that reveal when it does come, you, you kind of want a punch in the stomach in some way, don't you? You, you, it's a weird sentence to say, but you know, you you kind of want to be holy shit. You know, you're forever searching for these moments, aren't you? Like the Luke, I'm your father kind of thing. You know, you, you're looking for something like that, and I, I just feel that. It has to be someone of significance.
0: Yeah, either he die or they die next episode, or you need to kind of do something more with it. I'd be inclined to agree. Speaking of lightsabers, because we're going to be dotting around here, there, and everywhere. Everyone who's watched this has seen the story, so we don't specifically need to repeat the explicit story beats. But it's mainly on this watch, I think, it's it's kind of characters that I'm most intrigued by here. Um, So we were speaking about lightsabers so let's speak about the two antagonists as we call them in uh rebels reviewed the blood orange boys um even even, even though 50 percent is a lady <laughs> you know exactly or <laughs> <laughs> well, the blood orange bunch depending on what yeah. <laughs> um shin hattie feels about them themselves but so it's it's Balin skull and shin hattie uh played by ray stevenson and ivana Sakno. and first of all i love blood orange lightsabers um it's a very easy, and we discussed it in the, the prior episode, but we were like, it's a very easy way to basically be like, they're bad, but they're not the Sith. And it's like, yeah. to be fair, that's quite a good visual cue. And it still looks very cool. New lightsabers, new colors for sale, et cetera, you know. But the two characters, you know, everyone online, I think, unanimously is saying Ray Stevenson's performance is probably the best thing about the show thus far. Yeah. Um, I've not heard many people say much about um, Ivana Sackno's character yet, but I want to highlight one element, and then I'll throw it to you for your thoughts on both these characters. I really, really enjoyed—I really, really enjoyed um, Shin and Sabine fighting with lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Because some of the critiques I've seen online, I'm reading it and I go, "You guys didn't understand the assignment." Where the critiques online are going, "God, these two fighting are like children fighting with lightsabers." Like, y- yes. A Exactly, yeah. She's a Padawan. Sabine's had very limited training with the Darksaber and to live-action only viewers, to her, not, she may not have even properly wielded one. And it's like, yeah, she has some degree of Force sensitivity, but as Hu Yang said, not a lot. So it's like this, it, it kind of made me feel a little bit like one of my favourite moments, probably in all of Star Wars, but definitely the highlight of the sequel trilogy, is in A Force Awakens when Finn is fighting Ren and he's barely keeping his own. Well, Renzagino got a shot in his stomach and he's still fighting off Finn. And then he also beats Rey, and then Rey gets the call of the Force and then does actually beat him. But, like, I love that because I love over the top, crazy lightsaber fights like we get in the prequels. Love them. I also like the more slow, steady ones, especially like in Return of the Jedi. Really like those. But I don't, I think we're probably going to get it a little bit in maybe the Acolyte series coming out. But we don't have enough of people who are like, not that experience with lightsabers you get one who's not experienced fighting somebody who's very experienced and they just get the floor wiped with them like anakin in uh, attack of the clones or Dooku. but i really liked the you watching them and it's almost like this is kind of how normal people would kind of fight with lightsabers yeah and i did actually really enjoy that so i'd love to hear your thoughts on that scene and then wider on uh balen skull and Shinhati.
1: yeah i thought they uh, <laughs> up until you you just mentioned it there, it hadn't occurred to me that, that, you know, it's basically, it's not Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, is it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, and for me, that is the pinnacle of, you know, two uh, very um, skilled, you know, uh, swordsmen or lightsabersmen. Um, but I I don't know, it, it felt more real. I mean, basically that's Ezra Bridges' uh, lightsaber, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I did we were talking about it, weren't we? uh, After our series four uh, uh, rebels review, that, you know, I thought she probably was a Padawan, you know, and she, because she'd done the training with the dark saber, then she probably is a bit force sensitive. Now, I don't know how much I love that. You know, I love the idea that these Mandalorians were just this group of people who were pissed off at the Jedi. And so had to build all this machinery and stuff to, to compete with the Jedi. And I like those things to be mutually exclusive, but clearly they're going that way. So I'll, I'll go with them on it. But yeah, she, you can tell she's just very headstrong, you know, probably wouldn't get on with a uh, Ahsoka who's, you know, another one who didn't complete a training. Um, so yeah, I liked the back and forth. I also think that those two have almost like a Qui Gon Jin and Obi Wan dynamic mm. between them, you know. And uh, she's still very much. She's even got the little rat tail, has not she? The the little Padawan thing that they the, that we saw in the prequels. So yeah, they're they're clearly setting those two up as kind of a, a an antagonistic relationship. So you would think, you know, Sabina's I almost feel like this series is Ahsoka and the Rebels' crew. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, Ahsoka will be probably at the center of everything, but I think, I feel like, and I almost hope that this is as much about Sabine's arc as well, you know, so she'll go through that training and she will be the one to take her out uh, by the end of the series hopefully or you know maybe maybe she doesn't kill her off but you know the, it gets the better of her as for ray stevenson what an absolute and shame i mean i don't think i don't think i've seen him in anything where he is so charismatic on screen mm. you know i thought he was decent in punisher he's been in like the the marvel movies and stuff the, the thor movies but I thought in this he was really, uh, again, it, it almost sounded, it, if you close your eyes, he, he sounded a bit like Qui Gon Jinn yeah. to me. Yeah. And like the the ominous kind of way he appears on screen, you know, where no Jedi and then gives him the old, uh, it's, it's like the way Han Solo went, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, straight through in there. But to be fair, that captain, he was a bit of a dick, wasn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not saying he deserved it, but he was a knob. Um, So, yeah, I I do like that. I like the fact that they're a bit grey. You know, clearly, you know, we thought that they probably were, you know, uh, ex-Jedi, ex-younglings or whatever. Uh, I'd love, you know, some kind of flashback, uh, you know, see them escaping, you know, Anakin slaughtering all the younglings. But you know, there's that remorse in him as well, isn't there? So, you know, at the end of episode two, when you know they're talking about offing Ahsoka, he's like, "Well, so few of us left," like, you know. And so there's there's that kind of conflict within him. So, um, yeah, I do think it's such a shame with Ray Stevenson because he he's not that old, and you see him on screen here, and you're like, "Christ, he looks he looks like he's got another thirty years in him." So, yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. It, it was one of those, and I'll say something, uh, again, I saw online, I can't take credit for noticing this, but um, it seems like, you know, Dave Filoni famously loves wolves, that's why the Loth Wolves are in Rebels, and he wears yeah. wolf shirts and stuff. So, the name uh, Balen Skull, and then Shin Hattie, or Hattai, um, I think it's Hattie, come from uh, Norse mythology. So, they both represent like two wolves circling the moon and skull and hattie essentially cause ragnarok which obviously is kind of the end of uh, asgard as we mm-hmm. probably most of us know from the thor movie <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> like i've not read neil gaiman's norse mythology i've not read i've very heard good. very yeah, i've Should, heard it's amazing yeah yeah. yeah yeah um i've heard it's really good and i know there's a lot of like uh shout out to tanya todd again she loves norse mythology and loki and things like that um but yeah one of the images i actually saw online so i'll show it here this is from uh the villains wiki of fandom where it's it's the two dave reflected in the thing um you can, nice. so it's the two yeah. walls and each of those is meant to represent Scorn hattie so it's kind of like they're loosely i interpret that as they're on some sort of quest and for them to achieve their quest would actually end up destroying the world the universe whatever and whether or not that is the case, I just, I quite like that extra bit of trivia that I found out mm. about an hour before recording. Um, <laughs> but I really, really like it. I agree. The charisma's there. The Qui-Gon thing, I hadn't specifically thought of, but now you mention it. I'm like, yes, that's really very, he's very calm. He's very comfortable with himself, you know, and that's what I like, you know, whereas Shin seems to be a bit more volatile, but that's what Padawans are like. And it's, yeah. it is interesting having two people who are like, they don't seem overtly sadistic. Like most of the time when Mm. you get, I love Maul and obviously Vader and people like that, but they literally force people to suffer kind of for the fun of it. Whereas it seems like these two are kind of just making their way in the universe. And I think it's one of the only times in canon, at least, we've seen a Jedi go through Order 66 and then come out the other side, not as a Sith, not as an Inquisitor, but also not a Jedi. And Mm. I I love the moral gray area of that and although they're more leaning on the dark side, you know, they're killing a lot of people, it is like what what are their plans? What are they hoping to do? What are they hoping to achieve? And I'm very interested by them. Like, although I want more from Rebels, the Rebels crew, and I like Ahsoka as a character, I think my main draw for the show at the moment, finishing series two, is legitimately these two characters. Mm. Is I want because it says this is in the trailer. Um, so in case anyone isn't watching trailers and stuff spoiler warning um in the trailer it's mentioned uh ray stevenson's character Ben skull m- seemingly says to ahsoka i knew anakin i knew your master you know i knew what happened to him or i knew of him i met him so it's like i hope that we're going to get a flashback of their interaction and we're gonna and that will give the live action fans an understanding of ahsoka's relationship with anakin because i think in this show her mentioning that Anakin was her master is the first time in live action she's actually said it. Because it's only hinted at um, in *Book of Boba Fett* and *Mandalorian*. So I'm I'm all in for just it's it is it is fan service, but I'm all in for flashbacks of Ahsoka and Anakin. Mm. I'm desperate for Ahsoka to us for to see the flashback of when Ahsoka found out that Anakin t- changed from uh, Vader back to Anakin, and also I want the backstory of uh, Balin and Shin. Like they're they're the three things I'm really gunning for. And we spoke about it in Rebels Review that I know Sabine, I think, was a character you really enjoyed. And Mm. I would say, in this show, so far, I think Sabine is the weakest link. Which is not against uh, the actress. um, I think it's Natasha Louis-Borrezzo or something similar. I'll look it up to make sure I'm not getting it wrong. Like, nothing against her as an actor at all. But I just found the character to me felt like she wasn't from the end of Series 4 of Rebels. It felt like she'd kind of mm-hmm. receded back to Series 2-3 Sabine. And I assume that's intentional because obviously Filoni made it all and he's very good at the long game stuff. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was just a bit like, it's been 10 or so years and it seems like she's just kind of been wallowing for that whole time. Mm-hmm. Like she's living in Ezra's old place, which I loved all those scenes and her with the Tuka cat. But her as a character, like we got a lot of focus on her. And I probably thought... When I first heard about the show, I was like, oh, cool, we're going to find out what Sabine thinks about the Mandalorian massacre and all the stuff bo talks about. And it's like, maybe we will, but the way the show seems to be going is like, no, she's now essentially completely separated from the Mandalorians. So mm-hmm. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on
1: Sabine at all. I mean, I I thought she was okay. I, I didn't think, uh, I, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms. and like I say, going through the episodes is one thing, but when you kind of realize that, you know, it's about 10 years after, um, what would you say, 10 years after the end of the the season, uh, season four, and you sort of think, well, if she was, let's say, 25 then, well, she should be 35 now, but she's actually acting like a, a spoiled teenager or something or a belligerent teenager. So yeah, I hadn't thought about that until you've just mentioned it, but I guess that is slightly ridiculous and she does go through, you know, a lot of growth in that season four, doesn't she? Where, you know, it's a lot more about the Mandalorian culture and that, that whole space of the the galaxy or whatever. So yeah, she, she probably has regressed a little bit, but, uh, and, and the fact that she's, I guess she's that perennial teenager, though, isn't she? That's, that's possibly where Filoni has her. Because, you know, the the very first thing they've got there, uh, she's supposed to turn up for the ceremony and yeah. whatever, and she doesn't. And then she's off, and she's listening to a, you know, teenage rock music kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I guess I hadn't thought about that. But I detached you know, not thinking of it in a canon-type way, just thinking of the, the story and and kind of the reflection from Rebels that, that I know. But yeah, when you stand back, it doesn't make that much sense. But I think they they did an okay job of, of communicating to us, okay, so she's had this uh, antagonistic relationship almost with Ahsoka. You know, she's not a very good student. Ahsoka's probably not a very good teacher. And I, I think part of that... You know how much guilt does she feel? You know from lo- from leaving the Jedi Order. You know maybe if she didn't, maybe Anakin could have been saved. You know because she she was a good influence on him and made him question things a lot. We saw in Clone Wars. So yeah, I I don't feel like Sabine is the the weakest part of the the season, but or, or these first two episodes, but you know it, it was enough for me. I mm-hmm. think it, it, she didn't really. You're right, it's not completely consistent with what we saw in Season 4.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, I I try not to be too nitpicky uh, with Star Wars content where i can be i i normally have to be almost to preempt any criticisms that are going to come my way um unless it's and or then it's very hard to
1: and you you only have to go on twitter or x or you know <laughs> there is someone nitpicking somewhere so you know we don't have to pick them all yeah of course yeah so we, we it's a general discussion
0: show this if people haven't already clocked on half an hour in where it's not about you know shitting on uh, ahsoka or anything like that it's it's more just i think i uh, uh, I feel like a question that needs to be answered at some point is what on earth were they all doing during the Galactic Civil War? Now, Mm. from the Forces of Destiny cartoons, which are canon at the moment, unless something overrides them, but they are canon, Hera was at points on Endor um, around the time of Return of the Jedi, seemingly before the Death Star Mm. blew up. So Hera and the Ghost and Chopper, at least, were about. I think Sabine may have been as well a little bit. And I know from the Rebels, the Rebels, epilogue she mentions they had they were involved in the galactic civil war which is fine obviously it lays a question of what was Ahsoka doing but I Mm. do wonder if her relationship with Sabine actually adds more weight to why she wouldn't take Grogu on um, in the Mandalorian because we were given Mm. the way she said it was the impression that oh, I don't want to take on Grogu because of you know dark side passion Anakin sort of uh, subtext and now it's like well maybe it was because of Sabine and Sabine is quite not not saying this as a negative way, but Sabine is quite an emotionally driven character, and although she matured throughout Rebels, she never really seemed to get her emotions fully under control,
1: mm. and
0: that's the kind of. That's the main thing. I'm reading a book at the moment, or listening to the audiobook, called um, Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade. It's it's fantastic. It's about a character who is a Jedi um, or Padawan before the Clone Wars, gets promoted, and is just not connecting with the Jedi Order at all. She keeps getting blamed for stuff. There's all these hurdles that kind of seemingly aren't her fault, and she's kind of slipping further and further away from the Jedi Order. And she becomes an Inquisitor, hence the name of the book, and she appears in one of the Vader comics. And seeing her perspective in it it's really showing how she's going through all this horrible stuff like Anakin was and questioning things. She keeps being told, just meditate. You shouldn't have these feelings. Just don't feel these things. Being a Jedi isn't about passion. It's about serenity. And it's like, okay, but but someone close to me has just died and I'm trying to deal with it and you're just telling me to go sit quietly over there and not tell anyone about it. And it's that That interesting thing where the Jedi on paper sounds so good and then when you delve deep into what it is to be a person and the complex nature of things I can see why they needed to indoctrinate kids at the age of like two or three because when I was younger I was like oh I'd be a great Jedi and now I'm thinking if I got into the Order I think I would slip into the dark side I think someone (laughs) would, if I was out in the real world and someone was like really if someone insulted Megan or something and I had the power just to lift them up with my mind I wouldn't kill them, but I would definitely lift them up with my mind and drop them on their ass. And I think that I'd gradually do that more and more frequently, and eventually it would get to the point where something horrendous would happen. So I, I, I'm I, kind of, although I raise my own point on that, I feel like I, I wonder if Sabine, how far she's going to go, uh, and how much she's going to be. Because in, in theory we're going to have Grogu the Mandalorian somewhat jedi and then mm. sabine the kind of mandalorian jedi and i think i want more force users who don't align with the jedi or the sith kind of the middle ground ones i quite like that
1: yeah i mean i, I will say one thing it wouldn't it be great even if it was just for a day to have access to the to the light on the dark side of oh, the force God. So <laughs> you cool. know if someone cuts you up just lean out the window bit of force lightning just Take out their tires or something.
0: Oh, I'd, I'd use the force <laughs> to move their steering wheel just to the right. Well, they the, crash.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um No, I think I think you're right. I, I remember. I think it was for the two thousand year two thousand census. I, I think I filled my religion in as Jedi. uh mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I meant it as well. Whereas now, I think you know the Jedi are kind of dicks, <laughs> 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 especially with things like that. And you sort of think, well yeah it just doesn't really work and like you say interesting choice of words to indoctrinate kids into into the order well it's like what so you're a brainwashing cult then <laughs> you know basically. because yeah because basically if you try and uh, uh take someone who's already grown up a little bit and had that independent thought and you know uh questions things well y- you don't want that you you want people to be molded very early and uh yeah i think i don't know though if i love that in the star wars universe you know the the great thing for me about that original idea coming out of the original star wars was that it was so fucking black and white Mm. you know it was literally the goodies versus the baddies and you know you didn't know all of the things that were going on and uh, you know through the prequels and all of the uh, cartoons or whatever, you've explored some of the greyness, and I'm kind of okay with the greyness being there. But I think you've still got to have your Tarkins, you've got to have your Vedas, you know, you've got to have those proper moustache-twirling villains, you know, who are just you know, they've tapped into the dark side of the force, but it's not just them using it. It's the dark side of the force using them as well. You know, that that's kind of the way I see it. But but I do think, you know, where we are in 2023, I mean, it's not a, it's not a new thing actually, is it? I think the first thing I came across was like Wicked, mm. which is like, oh, it's a completely different perspective on, you know, good versus evil. And it makes you think a little bit differently. And it seems like since then you know for the last 20 years or something it's like oh let's subvert everything and and you know you can't just have a simple goodies versus baddies kind of story anymore but i think with the the two main antagonists i think that's probably what we're going to see i mean ultimately are they in it for their own uh reasons i mean skull says he's in it for the power doesn't Mm -hmm. he But I do feel like they're just making their way through the galaxy. You know, they probably had this nomadic existence. They're not emperor level evil or Vader level evil, but they do use the dark side. But like you say, maybe in a practical way to get by in the world. Um, So, yeah, I I think this will probably ask some more questions. And I feel like I want it to just tell its own story. But I do feel like this is going to do a bit of an MCU Iron Man 2 sort of thing. It's it's going to spend a lot of time just setting other things up as well.
0: I agree. I, I, think, I think this is going to be a prelude to uh, the Dave Filoni rumoured movie, which he's confirmed the only things we know for sure about it is it's going to be connecting to the Mandalorian content. And from what we can tell, and there's there's a rumour, and I, I'm fairly certain, I'm, I voiced this thought on a podcast before the rumour came out, but if I didn't, I was talking about it a lot of Star Wars Celebration, so just ask everyone there. Um, but it was that the heir to the Empire is probably going to be what they're going to call the new movie, and it's like, if that's the case, Thrawn's the main bad, and so... We have to introduce the on like if you're gonna make a movie, you have to make sure every person knows who what's going on in there. And mm. rather than spending half the movie explaining who Thrawn is, if they explain who Thrawn is through an Ahsoka series, through maybe one more live action series, because I think the movie's meant to come out in 2025. So I would assume that they're gonna have a second series of Ahsoka maybe next year, or what? We don't know if Ahsoka's just its own thing or more than one series. Like I assume there's gonna be another piece of content aside from the Ahsoka series before this call it as the empire movie and that is as you say it's all going to kind of be like a ahsoka fi- like have you read the Ed to the empire books the original legends ones? no no they're pretty good i've I only finished them recently um but the the luke plays a pivotal role understandably uh in that and i think that what they're going to do is have ahsoka being playing that pivotal role and have luke take more of a backseat quiet by himself doing the jedi order stuff which would then feed more into the whole last jedi thing where he's just lifting his hands up and trying to evade all war and if ahsoka's there it kind of gives him a better reason to like i'm gonna hide here with all our jedi younglings and protect them you can go off and fight essentially so i I do have a concern that that is what it's gonna be and my suspicion is that ahsoka's gonna die in the air to the empire movie and i think that would just make everything kind of make sense in a way Mm. um but i want to ask um your thoughts on droids because there's two main droids in this series, one who's your bestie and one who's a blast from the past. So I'll throw it to you before I give any comments.
1: Droids, Dave. What do you think? Yeah. There were some good droids in this, weren't there? I mean, even from the You talk about uh the some of the content being stretched out, you know, they they could have probably done it in what they did in 40 minutes or so. I felt like that original Indiana Jones intro with ahsoka i felt like it was almost like a a a playstation game or something Mm -hmm. the way it was all set up it was like oh it's just like a fallen order sort of thing are we gonna see this in a game or something you know because it it just had that feel to it but it seemed to go on for ages (laughs) it did not need to go on for that long um but when she comes up and then you get the uh is it the battle droids that they call them yeah. not not the no they're not the, battle the, droids they're assassin are they? droids assassin droids that's the one when that assassin droid spoke i was like oh that's um oh it's the guy from the sequels named baddie ben kenobi oh uh, kylo ren kylo ren really sounded like kylo ren to me like just the tone of his voice and everything but i thought they were they were pretty good initially but then when we got the um the escape you know and we get this whole jedi uh protocol nod again i'm sort of thinking okay so return the jedi was like what 30 years or something after Re- revenge of the sith yeah 20, it was, 25, it, but yeah. yeah it was this ancient religion as as it was called at the time yeah, he's still following Jedi protocol now. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a bit silly. To me, that was a bit of dialogue just to be thrown in there to say, oh, for people who haven't seen Clone Wars, this this guy was something to do with the Jedi Order because he's f- still following that protocol, which is ridiculous to me. But yeah, he was the guy helping all of the younglings, wasn't he? Put all their lightsabers together and stuff. So it was a surprise to me to see him. I can't remember what his name is. but yang Uyang. So yeah, it was a surprise to me that he popped up. And you're saying about Sabine being maybe one of the weaker parts of these first two episodes. But I felt the dialogue between him and Sabine, you know, was really good. I really mm-hmm. like that back and forth because she was given all those kind of, you know, again, being a belligerent teenager. And it's like, oh, well, you know, if, if you could have opened this thing without me, would would you have just done it? It's like irrelevant just <laughs> <laughs> almost like got this uh, intolerance for you know teenage nonsense. Just like yeah, just get on with it. The only time you're wasting is your own. So I like this matter of fact approach to it. But I've got to say one of my favourite bits: Chopper, my boy, turning up, being his his like little argumentative self as well. I I thought that was brilliant. I thought they really did him justice there. And I think that the reason he people kind of gravitate to him, you know, he it is that fucking Disney-fied Krogu type thing, isn't it? Where, you know, they know what they're doing. Um, But it's the fact that the noises that he makes, it's not like whistles and bleeps, you know, like R2-D2, which you kind of get a bit of sense of emotion from it. It's almost like you can tell what Chopper's saying, you know, when he said, uh, when he says uh, he's looking for the tracking device. And he's like, got it. You know, yeah. you can almost okay. hear him say that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, th- I thought he was good. I was glad to see him coming up. And I, I thought he looked amazing. I know he, he was in Rogue One, I think, wasn't he? But, yeah, you know, that was Barry, just in the background.
0: I've watched that film so many times and I still can't spot him. Like, I know you can right. go online and find the exact scene, but whenever they're on the phone, I'm like, where is he? Like, I, I've caught the calling General Syndulla part now twice i know where that is but mm. seeing chopper i think yeah I, I i'm fairly certain i know around where he is but i always get so i'm like oh I'll watch out for chopper and then i watch the movie yeah. like, this movie's so good and then the scene yeah. ends, and i'm like i missed him again yeah. um, i agree chopper's amazing in this i want more chopper um he's, he's just excellent and i agree his war balls are fantastic and then hu yang uh, obviously voiced by david tennant as he was in the clone wars mm-hmm. um really the only clone wars connection uh, well, actually, it's two. There's two major Clone Wars connections, which was um, Hu Yang, because he's not in Rebels. Where the hell he's been for the last mm. 25 odd years, I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll get an answer. But mm-hmm. he is actually... A, there's, a, there's a book called Star Wars Timelines, which I normally have up here, but I've been reading it downstairs a bit. Um, and it's the Jedi Order in canon has been confirmed as being set around uh, 25,000 years before the Battle of Yavin. Um, and it's, a, it's around that time. Hu Yang was booted up for the first time 20 years later. So he's apparently been around for 24,900 years. Wow. <laughs> so he's probably... he, he In following Jedi Protocol, the last 25 years to him have been probably the equivalent of like a month or two for us. Yeah. yeah Obviously yeah, in yeah. the show, people don't know that. Only nerds like me know that kind of thing, but... <laughs> You know, I, I liked Hu Yang. I love David Tennant and everything he's in. He kicks ass in Jessica Jones. He's phenomenal. Yeah. He's my favourite doctor. Like, he just, everything I see him in, he never does a bad job. And he's such a lovely guy as well. Good omens he's phenomenal into. Um, so he gives it his all, which I really like. Now, the other Clone Wars uh, connection I was going to mention uh, is Night Sister Morgan Elsbeth. Mm. Um, so I think I'm fairly certain that in a, uh, in Mando Series 2... When we meet Morgan Elsbeth, I'm fairly certain on the Star Wars website, they released a little data uh, file on each character, and it's not really that much extra c- content. But at some point in that, it mentioned she's a Night Sister. So for 1%, if that, of the fandom, they already knew she was a Night Sister. Mm. I, when it happened, I was like, oh yeah, I'd forgotten. And then it reminded me, I was like, I remember reading it somewhere. So that's another Clone Wars connection. Obviously, people like Math, who I assume are listening, won't have a clue. What a, light, what a Night Sister is. Um, if you've played Jedi, the Jedi Survivor or Jedi Fallen Order, then you find out a lot more about it. I think the uh, Fallen Order has quite a lot of details about the slaughter on uh, Death Amir. Um But what do you think of like, Morgan Elsbeth as a character? Obviously, she popped up. I mean, we had her named in The Crawl, and it was quite nice having a crawl, mm. actually. I forgot how much I missed that because we haven't seen a crawl since. Uh, God I saw Rise of Skywalker in the cinema. So, what do you think of Morgan Elsbeth uh, in this as a kind of villain and their Road to Thrawn in a sense?
1: Yeah, I think I, I do want to know more as the series goes on. I, I want to know more about her character and kind of where she's coming from. And like I say, I I, I remember the Night Sisters being in the uh, in the Clone Wars. I remember you know they they were heavily linked to Darth Maul, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. Now, if Darth Maul was don't want to say this. Spoiler alert! Just go thirty seconds if you want to watch like Rebels and and you haven't done. But I mean, if Darth Maul wasn't dead at this point, I would think the guy who you know the Inquisitor. Man, you Inquisitor's kind of down from a Sith, isn't it? So yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't downgrade himself. No, it can't be him. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought it was good for them to to show up. And I think what what from these first two episodes, I think we are tapping in to that animated universe, you know, so there's lots of things that we were talking on rebels reviewed, weren't weren't we about like, I'm not so much into the mystical side of things. I, I like it where it's slightly vague, you know, the Jedi and Sith can move things and you've got force lightning and stuff like that. But, but that's it. But even in that cave, what, what are the, what are the characters from the clone wars where you have the father, the daughter and the, uh, you the know, the daughter's for- on the light side. Yeah. Uh, the, the Mortis gods is the ark. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like we could get a bit more of this. I feel like you know the the what is it? The space between worlds or or whatever where the Ezra world between, yeah. world between worlds yanks out uh, Ahsoka from time essentially from that battle with Vader. So I, I feel like we're gonna for the first time in live action see a bit more of that. And I think having this Night Sister, I don't know how much of a, a grand kind of role she'll have. I, I basically think she'll unlock the keys to find Thrawn. And then season two or whenever, Heir to the Empire movie or whatever it has to be, Thrawn will become the big bad. So her role is like a transitory thing, it, it's just a means to an end, I, I feel. But I tell you what, I did like. When she was summoning Skull and, and the other one whose name I forget, it wasn't just a hologram. It it was this weird kind of dust effect. It mm-hmm. was like she was using the dust in the room to, to create an image, you know, like a hologram. So, again, I, I feel like we're getting away from the Sith and the Jedi kind of thing, and, and the Force isn't the only technically magic in this universe you know there there is something else there as well
0: Mm, interesting points i don't know this for certain i have a theory on the the holograms Mm. oh god um is and i think you're right with morgan elsbeth i i think she's gonna die as soon Mm. i I would be surprised if she even meets thrawn to be honest with Mm. you because there's six canon thrawn novels um i've read three of them the first trilogy i have not read the other trilogy um the other trilogy is all about the chiss like it's like Game of Thrones almost but in Star Wars all about the Chiss Mm -hmm. and stuff and it's a a lot to deal with which I haven't gone to yet but the canon Thrawn trilogy basically fills in the gaps of Thrawn outside of Rebels you know what was he doing before Rebels, during and then we don't get after that's what this show is for Um, but Morgan Elsbeth is never mentioned in any of that stuff now obviously that's the answer is because she wasn't created when Timothy Zahn was writing but that makes me think that she probably feels like she's more important to Thrawn than she actually is Um, regarding the hologram things i I may be wrong but i think the ship she is on might be a chiss ship and if that's the case chiss ships use slightly different technologies and they actually do use uh, for holograms i'm not so sure but the way they go through hyperspace is not through a nav computer they use something called skywalkers and so when thrawn meets anakin skywalker at one point in the books he's like um do you know what skywalker is and he's like well me and he's like and you don't know what i'm talking about don't worry um but it's basically like generally teenage women who are chiss um and they have force sensitivity and they are so attuned to the force they can navigate through hyperspace they basically stand at the front of a ship and meditate and guide the ship through hyperspace and then normally when they get older they usually lose most of their force ability so i wonder if that's connected to it in some way. These are quite deep cuts into the 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 lore, but I do wonder if that's the case. But when I saw those holograms, I was like, "Oh, those are different. Are they mm. was that her doing it? Which it could have been, because Dathomary and Night Magic um is very powerful, you know, Dark Side Magic. It could be that. Is it she's on this chiss ship and we're gonna get loads of new cool Star Wars tech? Because that was the main thing missing from the st- the sequel trilogy. Hey, with 30 years on. Oh wow, so we're gonna get the difference we're gonna get from the prequels to the originals. No no you're just going to get more x-wings and tie fighters like okay that's like one of the coolest parts about star wars but all right um so i am very interested by that stuff um there was something else i was going to mention um which the the droid the assassin droids i have a minor theory just from comics and that is because we don't know where those droids are from yet i don't think Mm. we we've got a loose idea but i wonder if they're the droid gotra and I'm only saying that in this recording, just because if I'm right, I can say I told you so. Not to you, <laughs> to the to the universe. Uh, yeah. but the, the droid gotra are in the comics quite a lot. They were like um, Ochi of Bestoon, who's a character who's like a throwaway character in Rise of Skywalker. He plays quite a pivotal role in the Darth Vader comics and the Crimson Rain uh, crossover events and stuff. He's associated with the uh, droid gotra, and they're basically like spate. They're like pirates, but they're all droids, kind of, mm-hmm. and they go after bounties and things so i'm intrigued by by that element one other thing i was gonna say um i think I've, we've gone through most of my notes but one thing i was gonna say was um what i really liked is at the lothal ceremony that you mentioned mm. we got not one but two characters from animation i didn't pick up on the second one again I, people think i'm the the ultimate star wars knowledge profit <laughs> person i know quite a bit i don't pick up on everything and normally when i first watch a show i just Try and enjoy it somewhat. Um, so the main one we, I think you'd probably recognise it was played by Clancy Brown, and that was Ryder Azadi, mm-hmm. and he's quite a prominent uh, character in Rebels. Um, he's in the Thrawn books as well, um, and so I really liked seeing Clancy Clancy Brown because I think that's he's played a different live action character who was uh, in the Mandalorian yeah. Prison Break episode in episode in season one.
1: Yeah, he was quite heavily made up though, wasn't yes, he? he? Had 100%. all the uh, kind of red makeup and horns and stuff
0: yeah I love his voice I mean he pops up and everything he was in Punisher as well the MCU series um, he uh, sorry knows the, the Daredevil series where Punisher was in it um, I love Clancy Brown I thought he was fantastic um, and then along with him it was one of Ezra's childhood friends I think he's called like Jay or Jirai. Um and he was the, the guy one who, who he forward. pushes forward yes, to, he was a, to friend a of speech Ezra's. right yeah, right okay. which again I didn't pick up on that so I, I saw that online and things um, but there was a couple little minor deep cuts and we've got corelli always mentioned uh which obviously is where uh han solo's from mm-hmm. um and then we've got something called the pathway to peridia which is the thing that um morgan elsbeth and balen and Ashin they all find there's that magic thing the kind of thing that sabine unlocks and then we get to see it mm-hmm. what my theory of that is that thrawn is in the unknown regions with the rest of the chiss and that's how you get there and back, maybe. Mm. Uh, But I just threw a lot at you of just deep cuts and other bits of information. So is there anything else you want to add to either anything I've said or any further things? Because we will start to wrap up, but anything else to add to what I've said or anything else?
1: Yeah, I guess just to not to add a different point, but just a layer on top really. Just there are so many deep cuts in this. And, and, you know, for years we've had to put up with, uh, you know, franchises not really respecting themselves, you know, so not being consistent. I, I'll point to the original X-Men trilogy that, you know, they couldn't even keep fucking consistent within three movies, you know, and basically you've got different directors and writers and stuff all involved. And it's like, guys, it's three movies, you know? So, um, I think we're just spoiled a bit nowadays, but definitely, you know, if you compare what happened with the sequels, you know, more than that last one, just, uh, just still leaves a sour taste in my mouth. But, you know, you can tell that Filoni just absolutely immerses himself. And I don't know if, uh, what's his name? Um, Favreau? Uh, no, the, the, the guy who did Mandalorian, the, main kind of writer oh yeah sorry Favreau um they just love it you know if you watch some of the extra documentaries and stuff and there's this whole fucking ice cream maker thing that was just in the background once and then they're like oh we've got to get this thing and you can just tell they love it and because there's so much more I, I do wonder if it's is it gonna stop people getting into it or is it just going to reward people who've watched all the animated content as well? Because when she's looking off, I, I mean this is in a galaxy far, far away, whereas this has just opened up a completely new galaxy. So we've talked about hyperspace and everything uh you know, you know and having hyperdrives that allows them to navigate around the galaxy very quickly but this is a completely different galaxy. So is this is their standard technology going to get them there, or you could see around their their kind of circle? You had what looked like little pergil. I don't know if you noticed that. So I don't know if we're going to see more of the pergill. again. Grogu saw them when when they were traveling in hyperspace, didn't they? he? Saw them out the window, and, and so I, I well, kind of feel like mm, they maybe do appear call.
0: in episode two. Right. I completely missed it. It's the yeah. It, this I didn't is see that. Pr- you wouldn't. I've watched a, a gif of the scene it happens in, and right. I still couldn't see them until someone circled them. It is right. four seconds, is again, on Twitter. I said I didn't look much on Twitter, but clearly <laughs> it's just how much my Twitter <laughs> feed is consumed by Star Wars. I've got these things I didn't come up with. It's, this, it's the scene we're talking about when uh, they're there and El- Elspeth is, um, sorting, Morgan Elsbeth is sorting out the, the map thingamabob and the lights are shining out. Uh, Balin's skull looks up clouds and it's just four or five mm. seconds of slow you know and then i think the scene cuts in the clouds there are three in unfathomably faint silhouettes of mm. pergil or at right. least what looks to be pergil so they are still very much re- and i think you're right there with the what we saw there are pergil and stuff i think mm. they are probably going to be part of the key to mm-hmm. how people get places and yeah. interrupted apologies
1: no, no, I, I, just agreeing with you. Really, I, I think I don't think their existing technology will get them there. And of course, at the end of rebels, you know that that's ultimately how Ezra was able to get Thrawn away from the, uh, the from uh, Lothal and and basically allow everyone else to win that battle. So, I, I feel like Pergil are going to have to play a role in getting to Thrawn and and hopefully Ezra as well.
0: Mm. uh my my theory is that big old ring thing we saw what i think that is is so in the prequels um the old school jedi starfighters the triangle ones um Aether Sprite class, I think they're called. I'm not as good with ship names, because there's so many, and they're all slight variants, a much better species and character names. Um, But those ships, the triangle ones, they had to use a hyperdrive ring. Um, You saw it in Attack of the Clones, Obi-Wan had to do it when he went to Geonosis. So I wonder if that's a giant one for a Star Destroyer, for example. Maybe, um, yeah, a a giant Star Destroyer. And so my theory, just from what we see in these episodes in the Pergil, is the Empire building this thing, Ahsoka's going to try and stop it probably going to fail, but I imagine a couple of New Republic people are going to be on there. Or maybe Ahsoka's going to be on the ship. And then Hera and Sabine are left behind, and they're like, what do we do? And then Sabine and Hera make a plan to commune with the Purgil via Sabine's loose force connection. Mm. And the way and they basically trail after Ahsoka, or maybe not Ahsoka, just the Empire in this big ship thing, they shoot off into the Unknown Regions to go get Thrawn, and then our heroes follow the coattails by using the Pergill to kind of get through that's that's a theory i have and i wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised if the series loose i, I would not be surprised if kind of like episode five six ish is actually when we get to see thrawn properly when they air quotes rescue ezra whatever mm-hmm. state that guy's in and then we're going to get like a bit of battling a bit of back and forth and then the kind of finale is almost going to be them all coming back probably losing against Thrawn, because it will just destroy everyone. Maybe we lose a, a main character or something. And then that's going to kind of leave it on a downer, kind of Empire Strikes Back style. That That's my loose theory on these things. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that.
1: No. I, I mean, the only theory probably mentioned on the Rebels reviewed is, is just that I think right at the end of the series, I, uh, you just described some of the how there, I right? I have no idea how, but I do feel like Thrawn will be back in this galaxy, you know, right at the end there. I don't think it will finish on a downer okay. Empire Strikes Back sort of style. I, I think they'll win, but it'll be like a hollow victory. One of the things that's great about Thrawn is, you know, these little losses, are just tactical means to an end it teaches him something about his enemy which he's going to use at a later time so i kind of feel like it might be more like a new hope where they kind of win but actually you know they haven't won the the greater thing and and that actually brings me on to another point and i know i moan about this a lot but the end the redone ending of return of the jedi <laughs> right. Let me put let me put a pin in that for a second. So when they go to um, do their investigation, you know, and they're they're smelling a bit of a rat, and then you can tell that a lot of these workers, despite what the the business bloke says, you know, they you pay them and they're fine. I could kind of get behind that, but then clearly they do have an allegiance to the empire. I don't think, you know, would someone really say for the empire? Probably not. But, you know, you can imagine the average person doesn't have this massive affiliation with one governing body or another. You know, if you're not part of the oppressed group you're probably okay with the empire you know you're probably earning a decentish salary you're getting by you can feed yourself you can feed your family or whatever and it just irks me that they redid that ending to return the jedi you know if you'd have left it as this battle that was won they had this massive party on endor but it made it about the whole galaxy was celebrating because they they defeated the empire and it, it makes even less sense to me now because that what I liked about this episode again clone wars style almost you know it asks it it makes it more realistic in terms of what the average worker would would be feeling would they be like celebrating that we've got this new republic well no probably not because otherwise they'd have been okay with the old republic you know the new republic is is still going to have a lot of the same issues that the old one had so the empire you know became a thing because people allowed it to become a thing so i like the fact that they did that i like the fact that you know they have to make it make sense don't they from return the jedi to a force awakens they have to make that 30-year gap make sense and and i think they will do i feel confident in that but yeah it just means that the redone ending of return the jedi makes even less sense to me now
0: it's, it's one of those things where when you initially when we were first collaborating on Star Wars things years ago and you first brought that up it didn't actually bother me that much but as the main thing that bothered me was Vader's no that still yeah. you know, pisses me off no.
1: yeah, it's the, it's yeah, the, of that all is the changes terrible.
0: they've done to all of the original trilogies most of it I don't mind I actually like some of it controversially I'm okay with a really weird cheesy jarring song which I know mm. a lot of people hate in uh, Jabba's Palace I'm fine with that you know space campiness whatever <laughs> But the no bit triggers me. And then, yeah, the, the end-all bit, where, especially when you've got Coruscant and Naboo celebrating, and it's like, well, how? first of all, how do they know? And second of all, as you say, like you read, you play Styles Battlefront 2, you read the Aftermath books, you literally look at any piece of content outside of that tiny element, and all of it is going, not everyone was celebrating. It, there was rioting in the streets. Yeah, there, there was bits that kind of spread around. There was certain people that were happy but if you overthrow any government even an oppressive one not everyone is going to be happy as you very eloquently put and i really liked that scene i think the scene where they all turn although yeah saying for the empire is a bit too much when they all turn and shoot i was like oh and then they just easily kind of they're all just out and it's like wow that was yeah i really like that and i like this growing festering part of the empire because it's, it's quite funny because in the times of the prequels, the, the Republic actually is shown to be quite crap. And then the Empire is shown to be overtly fascist and committing mass genocide and things. And then we've got the New Republic. And every interaction we've had from everyone in the New Republic, bar Carson Teva, who is the um, who's the chap who's in the Mandalorian. He's the fighter pilot who's friends with uh, Kara June. Uh, oh, yeah. And then she's mysteriously disappeared because obviously the actress uh, was saying weird stuff on twitter uh, and disney gave her the boot but like apart from him who's lovely every single other member of the new republic seemed like such dickheads all of them are so arrogant and they're like seeping with it even that guy that you mentioned at the start who's yeah. when uh balin and shin come on board and he's just being a dick about it yeah. and it's like okay either they are jedi and you're disrespecting jedi or they're not Jedi, so you need to have your guard up. You're just being this middle ground dick for no reason. And completely antagonistic. And it's like, I think it's intentional. And I think that the whole Mandoverse mm-hmm. is really showing, like, the New Republic, because they beat the Empire, they just became smug and complacent. And we do get that in the novels a little bit. Bloodline shows it quite well. But I'm, I'm almost rooting for the Empire at this point, because I'm just like, yeah. if I went to a bureau, and like, there was the guy... um he's the principal in mean girls um but he was in i think it was yeah it was mando series three um when carson Teva goes to him and says look we need some help here there's this pirate attacking uh, navarro blah 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 and he's just being a dick about it and it's like well people like you okay you're the you if i interacted with you if i'm at the dm or dmv because we have that in the uk but the dvla if i'm trying to do something (laughs) to do with my car insurance or or driver's license i have to go to an official government building if someone's talking to me like that i would be so i'd be fuming i'd be like seething so like when you hear these people of the empire being like yeah you want to take down the new republic i'm like i'm actually with the interactions i've seen on the screen although in principle i disagree because i'm not a fascist on a personal level with anecdotes applied I am kind of ruling against the New Republic.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're like, you bureaucratic bastard from the DVLA. I find your lack of faith disturbing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Is there, I think... I think I've tackled I've got everything on my notes I think I mentioned right at the start of when Sabine's cutting her hair it's meant to be like a homage to Kanan it seems Um, obviously to anyone listening now go watch Rebels if you haven't already what you're doing Um, but is there anything else you wanted to mention that we
1: haven't tackled? No just super pumped I, you know I have this love-hate relationship with drawn out series you know because we get to have chats like this where you know we, we just discuss it dissect it but you know just just have fun talking about it but uh, on the other hand i just want to watch the rest of the season uh, the season you know and just binge the crap out of it i want to know where this goes you know it, uh, the fact that it anchors right at the end of that epilogue of of rebels kind of means that okay so we like canon wise we haven't seen anything new you know, so we're, we're anchored at that same position where we got to at the end of Rebels. So, OK, where to next? I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, we know Thrawn's going to come back. We know Ezra is probably going to come back. And again, the fact that we haven't seen in any of the trailers or anything, I still think he could be that assassin. You know, he could be he that could. Inquisitor. A lot of theories um, say it could be bad. Yeah, I, I, at least temporarily, you know. Uh, maybe they're, they're able to bring him back. I, I think that would be, well, that'd be a way. I don't know how I'd feel about that because I, I do think that, you know, he makes Luke Skywalker look like the Poundland Jedi. I feel like <laughs> you know. So at the end of in the fourth season of Rebels, you're like, this is the guy who should have been a New Hope. You know, because he's better than Luke, you know, while Luke's moaning about his uh, power converters uh, Toshi station, you know, Ezra was killing it, you know, a few years before. So, yeah, I I don't know if they'll go that way, but I'm just excited to kind of get behind it and and, uh, see where it goes.
0: It was also exciting because it's it's not dissimilar to Andor in the sense that although we know in broad strokes what happens, you know, in Andor we know what happens to Andor because he dies in Rogue One, but all the supporting characters, every new character that in- introduced, bar obviously Mon Mothma who already existed, all of those characters, it's like, we don't know what's going to happen, so there's actual dramatic tension. And that's one mm. of the things I don't like about legacy characters, is like when you have especially when you have legacy characters in between two crucial points in their life like if luke pops up we know he's in no danger whereas luke in the sequels are like he could die and he does um and so I, i'm really excited about you know the ghost crew we they they could die i think it's unlikely is going to die until we at least meet um jason Sindula, obviously yeah. her son and there's rumors going around that he's going to pop up in the skeleton crew series that's that was the piece of content I was trying to think of. Skeleton crew with Jude Law in it, and then the rest of the cast I'm not sure about, but it's basically like a, a captain who's an adult with a group of kids, and they get stranded somewhere, I think. that's like right. And there's rumours that Jason Sudeikis is going to be one of the main characters in that, and that's how they're going to kind ah. of show off. And it might be happening at the same time as Ahsoka. It might be happening around the same time as the Mandoverse. That's the, the strong hint of it. Um, mm. So that piece of content may also... It is likely to connect in, which I'm quite excited about. But yeah, like I doubt Hera's gonna die um because of Jason's stuff. And mm. then um the other characters, like they could. You know, it's it's an interesting part where although I doubt Ahsoka's gonna die in her own series, she definitely could. The finale could be that she that Thrawn comes back and she dies to save everyone else. And then in the Thrawn series, mm. Ezra becomes the de facto Luke Skywalker. And then he fights Storm. Like, that could very easily happen. Um, I don't want Ahsoka to die, obviously, but Mm. I like the fact that we don't know exactly where it's going. There's a big enough time jump. There's still, like, 20-odd years between where we are, in theory. I always have to say in theory, because they might tweak the timelines. Mm. But it's still about 20 years. And if you think about wars in this world, like, wars... Unless they're cold war, don't generally go on for twenty years. Like World mm. War Two was only five years, was six years, and World War One was only four years. So you just think like how much time can actually pass in that. So mm. I'm very excited about that. I'm really excited to see. It. I think, as I said at the start here, I was a bit underwhelmed by the first two episodes. Um, but I think that's due to the runoff from Rebel Series Four. I think the action's great. I think the dialogue's not perfect. I think there's a few bits that are a bit like, meh. And there's I'm not sure. I'm not sure about Hera yet. And I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Like She's mm. one of my favourite female actors. Um, obviously Scott Pilgrim, People, a lot of people know her from. I love her in uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. She's in Birds of Prey, which is a film I adore that no one else seems to like very much in the <laughs> DC roster. But I think she's great in everything. And she's got a, uh, an album out called Got a Girl that came out like 15 years ago that I always mention because I want more people to listen to it because I love it. But I don't know how I feel about Hera because I don't know if... She seems quite disconnected, a bit apathetic. Mm. And I'm like, is this because of Mary Elizabeth's uh, direction? Is it because we're going to get more sto- we're going to get more development from her to find out why she is the way she is because it's been 10 years since the Finale of Rebels. You know, she's got a son. She fought in a war for around 5 years as well. It's kind of at the end of the war and it- she's probably kind of hoping I wish I could just have a little bit of a break and things keep coming up. I'm Mm. I'm hoping I have my faith in Faloney because Filoni if nothing else plays the long game you know Mm. Clone Wars is a testament to that where you've got some of in my view the worst Star Wars that exists as well as some of the best Star Wars exists (laughs) and some incredible stuff along the way Um, but Hera I need more time with her Uh, Mm. and that leads on to just the last thing I was going to ask you before I do uh, wrap up and that is where's our boy Zeb? (laughs)
1: <laughs> i was uh, just literally in my notes here my sparse notes uh, I, I wrote down zeb because i didn't want to get through the episode without mentioning him so yeah absolutely i'm hoping he shows up and they've already animated him haven't they so, you know so we saw him in andor for a, th- that brief uh, moment mando. oh sorry it was mando wasn't it because I, I, I I thought...
0: of andor mando series 3 came out so soon to yeah. each other. i keep getting
1: them mixed up in my head too but he was in the bar, wasn't he, with yes. the X-wing pilot? So I'm hoping he shows up. And uh, yeah, I, I was looking back actually at some of the original designs for Chewie, and it is—it's basically Zeb, isn't it? You know, they, they've just taken him. So yeah, I'm pretty sure he will show up. Yeah. Um, just I, I, I'm with you on Hera though. There, there's something just slightly off about her character that doesn't feel exactly like the character in in Rebels like because she seemed to be the the mother of the whole group didn't she? she seemed to be the the adult you know in it and here she does seem a bit more disconnected I, I agree and the, you've just reminded me actually I, I will pick a net now there was a line of dialogue so when they were looking at the the hologram uh, re- footage of of uh you know the the base being taken over or whatever you know that that initial fight scene and she said some she was talking to Ahsoka Tano and she says something like they have abilities like you and I'm like you were literally shagging a Jedi for a whole bunch of years You know what a Jedi is. <laughs> you know, why would you say that? That is a ridiculous line of dialogue. As if it's like, oh, yeah, I have no idea what this is, but it looks kind of like what you do. I, I just, I don't know why it really pissed me off in that moment.
0: <laughs> I feel, I've, I have a suspicion they're not going to utter Kanan's name at all. Or, like, even with, and the Ezra might to Sabine, but I would not be surprised if Filoni is trying to keep the, 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 what happens to Kanan a -hmm. secret from live action people. Because if they're Mm -hmm. like, look, go check out Rebels, you get this whole thing. It would. I mean, I think if you if you finish Ahsoka and then you go back to Rebels, it's going to be quite clear. Why is one of uh, we saw them elsewhere? So why is one crucial member of the team not here? Well, yeah, it's Star Wars. There's only one of two things that
1: can happen: they disappear into the abyss, or they die, or yeah. both. Yeah, I am... Um, but but the guy, the the dick who got killed off, you know, the the captain dude, like he knew what a Jedi was. In fact, the whole crew knew what a Jedi was. Yeah, so you know, it it does seem like. You know, it is known what a Jedi is. You know, so so even though you know that random bit of dialogue about it being an ancient religion, you know, is probably you know a bit off, but people do recognise that it is this this thing. So yeah, there probably is some reason as to why that line was written the way it was written, but it just yeah seemed very weird to me.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. So fingers crossed, we get a Zeb appearance at some point. There's yep. um anakin's gonna pop up at some point i think as a flashback i i think actually a trailer's been released which has a little bit of that in and i'm just like because i saw a, a mild thing on imdb and i'm just like can i can i just watch a show please and not have every surprise taken out like yeah. I, one thing i will say i'm really happy about this and i was saying to megan when it happened that 90 to 95 percent of the trailer we watched was in these first two episodes. Mm, like, that's yeah. how you do a trailer. You just put stuff in that seems substantial, you avert, uh, subvert expectations, and then almost all the footage is gone within the first act or so. Because mm. if I see an action film and a helicopter crashes, Mission Impossible, I'm looking at you, <laughs> I know w- there's going to be a helicopter crash at some mm. point. And when for the first two hours of a two-and-a-half-hour movie there's not been a helicopter crash... I then know what the end is and it drives me mad. Um so I know I know the answer to that is don't watch trailers but it's too feel, juicy well,
1: to Well no I feel like well part of me felt like you know the that we're getting trailers down to a, a finer art. So if you go back and watch older trailers, you know, from like the 80s, the 90s, uh, a lot of them will just literally spell out the movie for you. Oh, yes. like, Oh, great. I, I don't need to watch the movie now. <laughs> but I think Marvel did a pretty good job. in, You know, in the build up to Endgame, mm. you'd watch the trailers and you'd get a whole bunch of action, but you're like, Still got no bloody idea what's gonna happen. And when you watch the movie, you realize that actually most of what we saw, especially for like Endgame, mm. it was in that first 10, 15 minutes. And you're like, okay, we're off piece now. No idea where this is gonna go. But then what was it? The the Dark Phoenix, you know, the um the X-Men movie. I never even I mean, bothered that, watching it. So you can spoil was, away. Yeah, so well, so just watch the trailer and you'll get all you need from that because they literally spelt out the the whole movie in the trailer. And, and so I was like, oh, maybe, maybe trailers aren't so down to a fine art. Maybe it's still one of those things where there's just different people who do them really well and other people... Don't and think you need to give away all the best bits to get bums on seats in the cinema. Yeah,
0: I think part of it is how much the studios and the producers get involved. Because I'm mm-hmm. fairly sure that when you direct a film, you don't really get much of a say of how the yeah. trailer is, because the trailer is part of marketing. And it's yeah, like if, yeah. it's like well it's kind of that double edged sword, really, because you have trailers like Fight Club, which don't give anything away mm-hmm. and because it gives so little away, no one went and saw it, so it was a box office bomb and only made its money back at home release. But then you get other ones where, as you say. I think far more often than not, trailers give too much away. If I hear a, a funny film is coming out, I will not watch any trailers. Barbie is mm-hmm. the only one I saw one trailer of that, um, and I was like, "Yep, sold, going to go see that," and I love that film; it's fantastic. But like, you watch a comedy trailer, and you've basically just ruined every best joke of yeah. the film, and it's always and it sucks. And then when a, a scene happens as a comedy film, you're like, "I remember this from the trailer." I was like, "Well, goodbye punchline." Um, but yes, we've only I've only watched the one main trailer of Ahsoka. I've got some fun things that I think are going to happen. Obviously, we're eventually going to get, in theory, a flashback for Anakin. Zeb's probably going to pop up. Uh, and then Thrawn is, in theory, going to pop up because he was in the trailer too. So it's like, wh- where are we going to go? What are we going to mm. – where are we going to get with this? You know, it's eight episodes, so it's a bit longer than, say, Kenobi. And I mm-hmm. forgot your last point, which were your previous point, which is I'm a proponent for weekly. I prefer weekly shows mm. because I find it so much easier to make time for an hour-ish – once a week rather than being like i have to watch eight hours of tv in four days or spoilers (laughs) are gonna be everywhere it's much easier to just kind of hide all notifications from social media the day of the episode coming out and then go to watch it um i do really want i think ahsoka is going to be the kind of show a bit like obi-wan where i think obi-wan was hurt by it being weekly and i think Mm -hmm. if they'd have released it the first three parts in one go and the second three parts in one go It'd have been amazing, but I think because they split it so much, we were hyper, myself included hyper focusing on certain episodes that weren't as good because they were a build up for the next episode, and it, that's that is the issue with serialized content. Unfortunately, when you've got it week by week, is that mm-hmm. some weeks going to be better than others, um, and so I'd. I'd almost prefer it to be released in ARCS or just like we're gonna have mm-hmm. a soaker for four weeks. Every week is two episodes. Kind of the boys did something not dissimilar to that. And I mm. quite I quite like that method. Or maybe what they did with Witcher on Netflix. Here's half the series, you get a month, here's the other half. Like mm. but I, I do love these weekly discussion shows. It's 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 it feels like we're all on the ride together. Yeah. So yeah. Really, really fun. Well, thank you for chatting with me, Dave. Um, it's always a delight chatting star wars with you probably gonna have a break from you and talking star wars for ahsoka uh for a while and then yeah (laughs) later on in the year we'll start up our i have to think of a snappy name for the clone wars uh rewatch um or watching clone wars i suppose is quite an easy one and, and we can't call it the clone bores no we, because, we can't uh... upset spider dan <laughs> um so we'll have to we'll figure that out and we'll have more content once ahsoka's all done we'll kind of delve into that but i think ahsoka finishes in early october so uh, we will be doing this for a little while myself and a variety of guests but dave where can people find you tell them about all your amazing podcasts and what you've been up to <laughs>
1: So, I mean, there's less, a bit more discipline these days. So the main one is the VHS Strikes Back, where we go back and look at all these great old movies. I say great, some of them are not so great. Uh, from the, the kind of home video golden era, you know, the 80s and 90s. But actually this year we've gone back and done quite a few of the the 70s. In fact, just recorded one called Oh God, which was released in 1977 huh? and knocked Star Wars off the top spot for a whole week. What? <laughs> Yeah, Uh, I mean, if you look at the box office, it was uh, paled in comparison, but uh, yeah, that that was an interesting one. I think the box office was like 51 million, Star Wars was something like nearly 800 million or something (laughs) like that, so it it was a blip, uh, if anything. But yeah, uh, so it comes out every Wednesday, uh, Monday for Patreons. We're having a little bit of a break from Chris and Dave's reality TV cast at the minute. So Love Island has finished. We're going to have Married at First Sight UK is going to be starting some point in September, I think. So we're just going to take a, a few weeks off from that one
0: have a nice old breather and i always recommend anyone who listens to any of my star wars shows and like star wars you'll like the vhs strikes back really fun show Um, i don't listen to every single episode because occasionally they do they do classics which i'm like oh yeah i still haven't seen that movie what's wrong with me Um, but most of the time it's other films i've seen there's office space was a brilliant one i really enjoyed that and office space i've got it on dvd i've loved that film for ages Uh, and then there's other films where i like normally your patrons make you watch them like was it bad boy bubby and uh, oh my god things like some that. horrendous that and it's like yeah. I, it, it's kind of the spider Dan trick because like, i'm never i've never even heard of this film i'm never ever gonna watch it so i'm gonna <laughs> let you guys suffer through it and watch this crazy mental thing and if you say nice things maybe i will but i'd always recommend yeah people check out vhs strikes back it's so much fun it's uh you can see why you two are such a have been such a pod duo who's so formidable for so many years yeah. now it's a, it's a joy to listen to
1: You know, I I think it might have been Hera who said something in this... Was it episode two? She said something about missing something. And you mentioned about office space. And I just... I was waiting for someone to go, well, I wouldn't say I've been missing it, (laughs) (laughs) Barb. That film is just so quotable. Every five minutes, there's two or three quotes in it.
0: It's a good one. Um, Well, friends, you can find me... um, you can if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe and check out my variety of playlists. I've got loads of Star Wars conversations. I've spoken to creators of Star Wars content, as in not fanfics, real content creators. Kevin Shinnick, who wrote The Force Collector and worked with George Lucas. I've spoken to Kevin Scott, George Mann, Claudia Gray, all high-republic creators. Uh, I've spoken to a variety of people. So check out my Star Wars Conversations playlist. Check out my show Star Wars Comics in Canon. It's basically the perfect guide for yourselves to check out Star Wars comics without ever having to read it. Star Wars comic. So I go through the plot details of the batch of comics I'm doing, normally a volume or a trade paperback or a mini series, and then along the way, as I'm giving you the plot details, I then give you additional information on trivia and canon little tidbits and things like i have done in this conversation oh there's a character that popped up in this thing or here's a a item that's been seen somewhere else or here's a bit of information about a planet or a species so you don't have to have read a single star wars comic in your entire life and if you have read the comic in question chances are i'll give you some bonus additional information that you won't already have heard of i've tackled every single marvel canon star wars comic um up to within six months of this recording because i can't do every single month (laughs) constantly um i've done loads of them done pretty much every piece of the high republic content that's out thus far bar three pieces in the next month that'll be done so uh, yeah please check that out if you haven't already my star wars show you can start from episode one or wherever you want really they're in episodic they're numbered but you don't have to start from episode one uh, and then check out Genuine Chit Chat have lots of fun Star Wars conversations recently spoke to uh, Neda McTari who's done Fennec Shand cosplay she's studying architecture at university we had lots of fun conversations about Star Wars and non-Star Wars stuff but you can follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and I occasionally post videos on TikTok and uh, yeah subscribe to YouTube like, share share with your friends and check out all the details in the show notes for mine and Dave's stuff that's going on, including we did Tales of the Jedi, which I only remembered because I copied show notes from a previous one, because I've already got the show notes ready. Right. We did Tales of the Jedi last year, didn't we? Which has got Ahsoka in it. So... Yeah. Yeah content coming at your ears but friends thank you for listening as always subscribe to the feed of comics and motion subscribe to my youtube channel and tune in next week for and for the next seven weeks for or next six weeks for the ahsoka discussion shows dave thank you so much for joining me once again i always appreciate your time and your counsel, your jedi council and <laughs> friends of who are listening may the force be with you
1: With you i love it every time you say that <laughs> yeah it <warms> my heart. <laughs>